السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا um, As advertised today inshallah we'll be taking a look at the uh, book which was taken from a lecture that Sheikh Abdurazak Al-Badr Hafidhahullah did pertaining to Ashrat Qawaid Litaskiyat Al-Nafs that 10 principles which are beneficial for the purification of the soul. So we'll take these um, group by group, a few every so often, and we'll try to benefit from them. The soul which is within the son of Adam, within the body of the son of Adam, is something which is great in status and great in importance, as we all know. Without our souls, we wouldn't exist. And the reality of our afterlife is based upon the status of our heart and our soul how we keep and how we interact and how we train our soul in this world will determine for us our situation not only in this life but also in the next so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show us the importance of this soul he makes a variety of vows allah says washams allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a vow by the sun والقمر, and also by the moon and also by the day and also by the night and also by the heavens and also by the earth and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and the human soul and that which has been proportioned with regards to it so he Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given it inspiration to be good or to be wicked Allah says for real and for sure for certainty certainly succeeds the one who purifies his soul the one who purifies his soul is the one who is certainly successful and the one who debases his soul is the one who is in loss so the soul and the purification of the soul is something which is extremely important to study and to practice and to develop. The meaning here of zakaha, purifying it, the soul, is that you take care of the soul, that you train it to strive continually to do that which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the nature of the soul, if left alone, it will travel and it will go to those things which are materialistic. It will travel and go to those places, places which are lowly in the dunya. It will want to have what people consider to be fun. But the true fun of the dunya and the akhirah is to have a pure soul so that you can be connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah bi dhikrillahi tatma'in al-qulub as Allah says. Is it not with the remembrance of Allah that the hearts they find true tranquility and peace? So you find many people in life, they go left and right, up and down, looking for something to fill the void in their lives. They'll go to the nightclub. They'll go to party after party. They'll chase dream, materialistic dream after materialistic dream. But still after doing all of that, they find and they exclaim themselves that we have an emptiness in our soul. We cannot fill it. And that emptiness is there because they haven't nurtured it upon knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They haven't nurtured it upon the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the one man zakkaha, the one, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّهَ Allah says, successful is the one who purifies his soul, who trains it to be obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So ponder the question, why is it that during Ramadan we feel so happy? We feel so good. We feel elated. We feel light. It's because we turn away from the dunya, right? More so in Ramadan. And we turn more towards the heavens. We do more acts of obedience to Allah Azawajal. We recite the Quran more. We pray more. We give sadaqah more. So we are purifying ourselves more. That's why in that period, in that month, you feel so happy. You feel so light. You don't feel as stressed. Why? Because you're turning away from the materialistic nature of what the soul wants to run after and you're training it to look up to the heavens and not just be like a cow grazing upon the grass. You give it something which is more lofty to do. And that's what the soul has truly been created for. It was made in the heavens and it wants to, if you train it properly, to return to the heavens. And that's when you feel light and you feel happy because you have lofty aims. So the soul which is trained to become pure and honorable will only go to those places which are pure and honorable. It will only do those acts which are pure and honorable. But the soul which is not controlled, the soul which is not trained, it will debase itself. It will go to those deeds which are ugly, those deeds which are displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those deeds which harm the soul and harm the body. So the importance of purifying the soul and understanding how to do that is something which cannot really be explained in a short sitting like this. But it's something that we come to know is extremely important if we want to be happy and in, this, in the dunya and the akhirah. So a person can check his status between him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by knowing where his soul takes him. As one of the salaf they said, If you want to know what your status is with Allah, because a lot of us, we imagine status is with Allah, right? We imagine that, yes, I have a good relationship with Allah. But if you want to know the reality of your soul, this person, the righteous person is saying, then look to where Allah has put you. Meaning look to where your soul with Allah's permission has taken you. If you're always in the places where Allah is happy with, like in the masajid, in the gatherings of knowledge, in the places of da'wah, in the places of sadaqah, etc., then Allah is pleased with you because he's allowed you to be placed in those places. Meaning that your soul is purified and has taken you to those places. But if you are in places where people are just wasting their time, just gathering the materialistic things of this world, then know that Allah is not pleased with you. So the soul, the more it's trained to do the virtuous good deeds, and the more it does virtuous good deeds, then know that this is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anybody that you speak to, any professional that you speak to, in terms of bettering themselves in the dunya, they will tell you for sure you need to schedule your day. You need to have a schedule. You need to train yourself to follow a schedule if you want to reach higher status in this dunya if you want to improve yourself in this world and likewise more so is for the soul you need to have a schedule for the soul you need to have a system of training for the soul if you stray away from that the more you stray away from that schedule of purification of the soul through the good deeds and through the pondering of Allah the more your soul will become debased and spoiled so training the soul is something which is extremely important but as well as training the soul, we don't want to go to extremes because there is an extreme where people, they just don't relax. They're always tense. They don't know how to have fun. And the Prophet ﷺ said to one of the companions, And verily, for yourself, your soul, there is a time where you have to relax. 
So training of the soul, you have to understand it holistically. There's a time we want it to be obedient to Allah In fact, that's all of the time. But we also have to know how to relax the soul, how to allow it to be relaxed. We don't want to be those people who go to extremes in the religion. So the Shaykh Abdul Razak al-Badr, the first principle that he mentions is that Al-Tawheed aslu ma tuzakku bihi al-nafs aw al-anfus aw al-nufus That Tawheed is the first thing that needs to be there for us to purify our souls. What is Tawheed? Wahada yuwahidu Tawheedan To make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one in a variety of things. The first of them, uh, the ulama they mentioned, is Tawheed al-Rububiyya, the Tawheed of Allah's Lordship, to make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone in being the Rabb. And when we say this, we mean that Allah, He alone is the Malik, He alone is the owner of everything that exists in creation. Proclaim that Allah, it is you who owns everything in the dominion, everything in existence. You give from that to whom you wish, and you take from that from whom you wish. You give honor to whom you wish, and you debase whom you wish, and your hands is all good. So Allah is the Malik, He is the Khaliq, the only creator. He is the Raziq, the only provider. He is the Mudabbir. The only one who makes tadbir of the cone, the one who moves the atoms, the one who makes things into motion. So to simplify this, Tawheed al-Rububiyya, anything that you would expect to be divine in terms of actions from a God, then they belong to Allah Azza wa Jal alone. So say for example, a woman, she's not able to have a child and she ends up going to a monkey statue or she ends up going to a saint who she thinks is somebody in the grave that can give her her child if she calls upon them. Now, according to the definition where I said Allah is the only raziq, anything you expect to come from a God is only from Allah, she's doing something wrong. She should expect that only from Allah. Only Allah can do these matters because He's the creator, He's the malik, He's the mudabbir, He's the raziq, right? So anything you would expect from a God in terms of actions to come to His creation, it's only from Allah Azawajal. The next tawheed is tawheed al-uluhiyyah or Tawheed al-Ibadah. Very simple, meaning that we understand that the masajid belong to Allah alone. Masajid meaning the places of worship. And as Ibn Kathir said, the limbs that are used for worship. They belong to Allah alone. So do not associate with other, with other than Allah anybody in your worship. Right? Anything from your worship, anything that you are going to do to please Allah, Okay, to please the Creator, then it belongs to Allah alone. Don't say that you're going to have intermediaries between you and Allah. Because you know we have so many sins, we have to go to that Shaykh who's more righteous than us in the grave. So rather than make my dua directly to Allah, I have to make it through this person. No. You have a direct connection in Islam between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, call upon me directly, I will answer you. This is the beautiful Islam. There is no other religion that has this clear connection between the slave and its master. Only Islam. Everybody else, they put intermediaries of some sort between them and their creator. But in Islam, Tawheed, Al-Ibadah, we understand that we will never give any of our worship, n n not even the worship, the act of worship, the emotions of worship. 
the extreme love that we should have for Allah the extreme awe that we should have for Allah we will never have that in our hearts for anybody but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we said Tawheed al-Rububiyyah right it's imperative to know it Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah which is Tawheed al-Ibadah and as you know I'm just touching upon these things I'm not giving you the main details it's just to introduce you or to remind you so that you can go further away and research these topics to improve your relationship with Allah to improve the purification of your soul and the last of them is Tawheed Asma wa Sifat to know and to understand that to Walillahi Asma al Husna to Allah belongs the most beautiful names and attributes the most perfect names and attributes none of his creation share with Allah in the perfection of the names and attributes they belong to Allah alone so we should learn these names and attributes and understand them because by knowing them you fall more in love with Allah by knowing them you will worship Allah through them but if you have no idea about the description that Allah gives to us through the Quran and the Sunnah about himself how are you supposed to love him how are you supposed to draw closer to him it's only when you hear about a person and you hear about how amazing they are and you hear about their wonderful characteristics and the amazing de deeds they do to the rest of the creation that you start to love that person and to Allah belongs the highest example the more you know about Allah's attributes his names his actions his wisdoms the more you will want to worship him subhanahu wa ta'ala so Tawheed is something which is imperative to establish It's the essence of Islamic belief and we know that without correct Islamic belief then nothing can be built on top of that whatever you build upon a foundation which is incorrect then itself that would be incorrect Allah says I didn't create the jinn or the mankind except to worship me Allah says we sent a messenger to every nation to tell them worship Allah alone and leave alone everything which is worshipped besides Allah every system which is followed as rules and regulations besides the system of Allah this was the purpose of the of the messengers to bring the hearts and the minds of the people to their Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala and away from the creation of Allah Mu'ad ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu when he was sent to Yemen the Prophet sallallahu said to him Ya Mu'ad innaka ta'ati ila qawmi min ahli al-kitab O Mu'ad you're gonna come upon a people from the book from ahli al-kitab he was sent there to give them da'wah falyakun awwala ma tad'uhum ilayhi so let it be that the first thing that you call them to is what the Islamic political system which is important acts of worship which are important now what did he say to understand how to make Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the foundation of making Allah alone in your desires and your reverence once you have that through Aqeedah then everything else that's built upon that would be correct but if it's incorrect, no matter how much you do upon that foundation which is incorrect, it will just fall apart and be wasted. So the foundation, as we keep reiterating, has to be correct. As Allah says in the Quran to Muhammad Know for sure that there is none to be worshipped except Allah and then seek forgiveness for your sins and for the believers. So which came first, the action or the belief in this verse? فَعْلَمْ know for sure that there's none to be worshipped in truth except Allah لَا مَعْبُودْ اللَّهِ and then seek forgiveness so the action comes after 
the correct belief, right? So like the Sheikh, he said to Sheikh Abdul Razak in his lecture, in his book, that if you want to purify yourself, your soul, the first foundation for us is Tawheed. And Tawheed is something that you can learn quite simply at a surface level. And you can go into detail after detail if you wish to do so. But the important thing with Tawheed is to always ponder upon it and always to reflect upon it so that you can understand and be in awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the soul, if it doesn't have Tawheed, it will humiliate itself by committing the opposite with his shirk, associating partners with Allah Azawajal and giving the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to other than Allah Azawajal, to those from amongst the creation who do not deserve it. What does Allah say? وَلَقَدْ أُوْحِيَا إِلَيْكَ وَإِلَّا الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَابْلِكَ لَا إِنَّا شْرَكْتَ لَا يَحْبَطَنَّ عَمَلَكَ وَلَا تَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ Verily, it has been revealed to you and to those before you, O Muhammad, that if you were to associate partners with Allah Azawajal, shirk, then your actions, actions would be rendered void, null, zero. You would destroy your own actions by doing shirk. So there's no way that those millions of Muslims on this earth who go to the graves and call upon the dead, who think that other than Allah Azawajal knows this unseen, who believe that other than Allah can provide for them the provisions. There's no way that they can purify their souls. You have to turn to Tawheed and free yourself from that which is known as shirk. Allah says, Inna Allah la yagfiru an bihi wa yagfiru ma duna liman yasha. Allah will never forgive the sin of shirk, but He will forgive everything other than that. So I said here in the ayah, Allah will never forgive the sin of shirk. Unless he repents, of course, while alive. But if the person dies upon polytheism, dies upon, uh, you know, associating with other than with, to Allah Azawajal, then that person will never be forgiven. But they can be forgiven during their lifetime. Walillahi alhamd. So Sheikh Abdul Razak al-Bazdar, he says, فَلَا زَكَى لِنَفْسِ إِلَّا بِتَحْقِيكِ التَّوْهِيدِ وَإِفْرَادَ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَ وَتَعَالَى بِالْإِبَادَةِ So there is no way, he's saying it's impossible for you to have purification of the soul except by establishing the reality of Tawheed and singling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for worship and to ensure that your deeds are sincerely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Allah says is it not for sure that to Allah belongs the sincere and pure religion so a soul which is nurtured upon Tawheed you will find that it's always thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It always wants to come close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It always, whatever goodness it has in life, straight away it thanks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But a soul that is not based upon Tawheed will be the opposite. It will be running away from Allah azawajal. It will be magnifying the creation instead of being in awe of Allah azawajal. So you will find that when somebody of importance walks in, somebody who we have to call His Highness, the heart will flutter. But when he thinks about Allah there's no movement in the heart. You will find that this soul that doesn't have Tawheed, when somebody gives it something, a gift, it will be overjoyed. But it will forget to remember and thank Allah But the heart which has Tawheed, when somebody gives him something, the first thing he does, he thanks Allah then he thanks that person. Meaning that the heart of that person who has Tawheed is always in awe and reverence and love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's how the soul becomes purified by having Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Shaykh Hafidahullah Abdul Razak al-Badr, he says al-Qaidu, al-Qaidatu al-Thaniya, the second foundation or the second principle, 
for us to purify our souls is a dua miftahu zakatun nufus. Is to know that the dua calling upon Allah Azawajal is the key to purifying your soul. Making dua to Allah Azawajal is the key to purifying your soul. The Prophet Sallallahu said in the hadith which is collected by Imam Tirmidhi, Laysa shay'un akram ala Allahi min dua There's nothing which is no more noble in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than dua. Because you're seeking something from Allah and Allah loves that, right? You are humiliating yourself. You're humiliating in the, in the positive meaning of the word, not in the negative connotation. You're humiliating yourself in the sense that you're showing your poverty to Allah which is the reality of your relationship between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya ayyuhannas, antumul fuqara'u ila Allah. Wallahu wal ghaniul hamid. O mankind, understand and know for sure that you are in poverty to Allah and in need of Allah yet Allah is rich and free of all needs. So when the person makes dua, he establishes that ibadah which Allah loves, which he shows this relationship. That Allah, I'm in need of you for every second of my day. Every second of my day, I need you. I make dua to you. I can do nothing of myself. It's only through you, through your benevolence, Allah that I can achieve. So this is what Allah loves. And that's why in the other hadith in Tirmidhi, the Prophet said, dua huwa al-ibadah. That dua, it is the reality of worship. That dua, it is in itself the best of worship. So whenever you do dua, you are establishing this beautiful relationship between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Imam Taymiyyah, Rahimullah Ta'ala, he said, dua miftah kulli khair. That dua is the key to all good. Why? Because Allah says, Call upon me and I will give you. How can you receive good if you don't call upon Allah? Who owns the good? I said to you the verse before, Proclaim and understand that to Allah belongs every atom in the creation and everything which is less than the atom. So why are you seeking it from everybody else? We're running around like headless chicken, knocking on this door, knocking on that door, humiliating ourselves to this person and to that person. I'm not saying don't respect the people. Yes, respect the people, give them their levels in society. But where should your heart be? Tell me. Where should your heart be? Tell me. With Allah, attached to Allah, right? You know for sure these people can't do anything for you. They cannot give you anything without the permission of Allah. So don't allow your soul and your heart to be humiliated. Keep that izzah and keep that honor in your heart and your soul and know that you should seek it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Amir al-Mu'mineen Umar ibn Khattab radiyallahu anhu, he said, Inni la ahmilu hamul dua. Inni la ahmilu hamul ijaba, walakin hamul dua. He said, I don't carry for myself the struggle or the stress of the dua being answered. But rather, I carry for myself the struggle and the stress of making the dua. Because I know that if I've been inspired to make dua, then the answer is soon coming. Because Allah, if He gifts you, He gives you the gift to think about making a dua. Do you think He's going to withhold from you the gift of answering that? Who inspired you to make the dua? SubhanAllah. Allah inspired you to make the dua. He's not going to withhold then the answer to that dua. But it's just we have to fulfill certain conditions for ensuring that our duas are accepted. Like what? What conditions? Don't hide your head. Give me the answer. Ikhlas. For Allah alone, right? What else? Huh? 
having reliance upon Allah all this pertains to having ikhlas and tawakkal right what else makes your dua come for you does it come to you while you're sinning as it would come to you while you're doing good deeds think of the person who is you know the archer the stronger his arm is the further the arrow is going to go the stronger your dua is with the acts of worship the further your dua will go right so you have to do good deeds in order for your dua to be accepted by Allah and to be answered more by Allah though through his mercy he even gives to us and answers to us when we are sinning with Allah so the more we call upon Allah the more we realize that we need to humble ourselves because this is our reality that without Allah we can't achieve anything and the more this purifies your soul because the more you want to be with Allah because we all need to seek we all have things we want to ask Allah for continually. So when we come to this realization, we want to leave alone the creation. We want to be more with Allah Because the more we ask Him, the more we purify ourselves and the more He gives us. And the more we thank Him, the more He increases. And if you give thanks, I give you more. What an amazing relationship. First and foremost, Allah inspires you to make the dua. Then He inspires you to give thanks. And then he tells you, if you thank me, I'm going to give you more. You don't lose with Allah We're foolish. We only lose when we turn away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We take ourselves out of the light that Allah has given us, which is obedience and Islam. And we harm ourselves. But if we return to dua, then our souls will become more and more purified. Imam Ahmad in a zuhd he narrates one of the duas that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would say often. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would say, Allahumma aati nafsi taqwaha. Oh Allah, give my soul its taqwa and purify it. You are the one who is best able to purify it. This is our reality. That Allah, if you want to have a purified soul, who is there that can purify it for us other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So don't call upon the creation for your soul to be pure. Always beg Allah and He will purify the soul. Allahumma ati nafsi taqwaha wa zakkiha anta khayru man zakkaha anta waliyuha wa mawlaha Allah Zawajal says وَلَوْلَا فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَتُهُ مَا زَكَّ مِنْكُمْ مِنْ أَحَدٍ أَبَدًا وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهِ يُزَكِّ مَنْ يَشَاءُ Ibn Abbasin radiyallahu anhumah he said in the tafsir that مَا زَكَّ مِنْكُمْ that Allah Zawajal did not purify or will not purify any amongst you means that Allah there's none in the creation that can be guided to good or saved from harm except by the permission of Allah So the soul needs to know this, that there's no good that you can be given or no harm that you can be saved from except by the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why the Prophet he wanted his companions and us by default to understand The Prophet will repeat this very often. That whomsoever Allah leaves or leads to go astray, then none can guide that person. And whomsoever Allah guides, then none can misguide that person. So they understood this. And that's why they would seek through their dua, their souls to be purified by Allah often. The third qaida that the Shaykh Hafidullah mentions, he says, That the Quran is the stream or the fountain for the purification of the soul that if you drink from it your soul will be purified as well as the thing which helps it to be purified 
ولقد من الله على المؤمنين إذ بعث فيهم رسولا من أنفسهم يتلو عليهم آياته ويزكيهم ويعلمهم الكتاب والحكمة الله سبحانه says verily Allah سبحانه وتعالى sent upon the believers a huge favor when he sent to them a messenger from their own selves reciting to them Allah's verses and purifying them and teaching them the book and the wisdom which is the sunnah so the book and the sunnah al-kitab al-hikmah is that which truly purifies a person as we will come to know the quran everything about it is purification for the soul everything about it is purification for your inner being as well as your outer being how can it be purification for your outer being tell me shifa ahsant i wasn't even thinking of that jazakallah khair purification in terms of healing you but as a lifestyle whatever the quran is telling you to do is beneficial for you it's a challenge we say to anybody in dawah show me one thing that quran and sunnah is telling me to do and it's harmful for me whatever the quran is telling you to stay away from show me that it's beneficial for me it's impossible if the quran and sunnah is telling me stay away from it it's impossible it can be beneficial for me it's a challenge you can't prove it to me right so the quran is a purification not just for your inner self but for your lifestyle as well, for your outer self. And as the brother mentioned very correctly and beneficially, it's also a purification for you in the terms of a healing. It's a purification for everything that is in the souls and the chests of mankind, as well as their bodies. Imam Ibn Abi Shayba in his Musannaf, he said that Ibn Abbas said, Dammin Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala liman al-Quran alla yadilla fi dunya wa la yashqa fi al-akhirah. That Allah Ibn Abbas said, that he has guaranteed that those who follow the Quran, they will never be going, go astray in the dunya, nor will they suffer in the hereafter. They will never go astray in the dunya, nor will they suffer in the hereafter, because Allah says, Whoever follows my guidance, then he will never go astray, and never will he suffer any type of harm, meaning spiritual harm, or punishment in the hereafter. Allah says, Those whom we gave the book to, they are the, and those who gave, we gave the book to and recited in the truthful manner, they are the true ones who believe in it. So the Mufassirin, they say this was the companions of the Prophet and some of them say this was the scholars of Bani Israel. Okay? That Allah is saying that those who we gave the book to, and they recite it in a truthful manner, they are the ones who truly believe in the Quran. So Shaykh Abdul Razak al-Badr, he says that truly reciting the Quran properly is to recite it in the correct manner. What is to recite it in the correct manner? How do you recite the Quran properly? With the tajweed, right, which most of us don't know. With the tajweed, which is the rights of the Quran to be recited with tajweed. With the tajweed, okay, what else? With tadabbar, with understanding the Quran, what else? Huh? With pondering of the Quran, tafakkar and tadabbar. What else? Tatbiq ahkam al Quran, to implement the Quran in our lives. So put yourself on this scale. Where are you from this? Number one, we don't have the tajweed. Number one, two, we don't have the Arabic language. How are we going to understand what our Creator is telling us? We're not implementing in our lives because we're not understanding it. So these things is what needs to be done for us to recite it properly. The more you come close to the Quran in terms of learning how to recite it, learning its meanings, 
and started to apply it in your life, the more it will purify you. And like many of the ulama of the Quran and those people who have been blessed with high levels of Iman, they say to us the Quran is like a, it's like a water fountain. We're just so addicted to it. We keep going back to it. It refreshes us every time we read it, every time we look at it, we learn something new and we benefit and we experience something new. It's the only book that every time you go to it, you learn something new. You have a new experience with it every single time. This is the Quran in purifying the soul. Imam Ahmed, he narrates in his Musnad that Ibn Masudin radiallahu anhu said, كَانَ رَجْلٌ مِنَّا إِذَا تَعَلَّمَ عَشْرَ آيَاتٍ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ لَمْ يُجَاوِزْهُنَّ حَتَّى يَعْرِفَ مَعَانِيهِنَّ that Ibn Masudin radiallahu anhu, the great companion, he said, it used to be the case that one of us, if he learnt 10 verses of the Quran, he wouldn't go beyond those 10 verses until he understood, understood the meanings contained within those verses and he implemented what was within those verses. So this is the reality of where we are supposed to be with the Quran. It's not just a matter of memorizing. The real thing is to try to understand what guidance is contained within there. How can I have this beautiful relationship with Allah through the Quran? How can I establish the laws of Allah on the earth in my life? If I cannot establish it outside of my own life, because many of us don't have the power to do so, at least within my own life and my own household, my own community, I should establish the laws of Allah Azza wa Jal. Fudayl ibn Iyad, he said, Fudayl ibn Yad, this great scholar, he said that verily the revelation of the Quran was so that people will act upon it. But sadly, people have now taken the recitation of the Quran as an action. What does he mean? Because most people, is, once they've done the recitation of the Quran, surface recitation, they think that's it. They think this is all we're supposed to do with the Quran. But that's not his case. The case of the Quran, you're supposed to ponder upon it. You're supposed to let it lead you and guide you in your life and the community and the countries and the world at large. This is the purpose of the Quran, that they will return to the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal. I've had your attention for 35 minutes by the grace of Allah Azza wa Jal. I think I'll stop here rather than going on because it's quite late. May Allah give us good and make us from those who attach ourselves to his Quran and to dua and to tawheed so that we can purify ourselves and come closer to him. The rest of the uh, foundations or the principles that the Sheikh mentioned we will take next week and maybe the week after. Jazakumullah khair. Anything which was good and correct was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any shortcomings and mistakes were from myself and shaitan. If you have any questions then feel free. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.